This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Joan McHugh, and today my guest is Father Ted Hoekstatter. He is a priest, a missionary who serves Mother Teresa in, he served her in Albania, and now he serves her in Kenya. I should say St. Teresa, the soon-to-be St. Teresa, and he is on leave at home for a month or two to rest and recuperate from some physical problems and to meet more friends who will help him in his, his work because he lives among the poorest of the poor. So, Father, before I ask you where it all started, you should know that Father works in Kenya. He's, he works among, in the largest slum in the world, and where he houses feeds... Wait a minute. The, the, the second largest slum in the world. Second largest. Where he houses, feeds, teaches, and protects youth from rape, abduction, slavery, and murder. Father has a family of over 60 Six, people. 67. And we're going we're gonna to find out how this all came about. So my first question is, Father... You are from Illinois, so when you were little, where did all this start? Did you recall a time when you really felt you wanted to serve God? Tell us about your early upbringing a little bit. Thank you, Joan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear Jesus, thank you for this chance to speak about your work in the missions, your love for us, and your poor people and about our beloved St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Jesus, if I can just speak to you about these things, and then Joni will correct me. It all began when I was a little kid, and my mother and father were very good Catholics, and they prayed every day, and they taught us prayers. And we lived in the country, we were sharecroppers, and so we, we had to give half of everything to the landlords. And we had a lovely country church, which my great-great-grandfather built, St. Peter and Paul. And the town was called Peterstown because there were a lot of Peters there. It had a little country grade school, eight grades, one row for each grade in a two-room school. I had all Franciscan sisters who always encouraged us to look and see if we had a vocation. I did. And even in grade school, I felt called to be a priest. I remember sister asking us, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a priest. Oh, Father, that's beautiful. I love that. So I I know we were talking before the interview, and you said you had a special love for Peter Pan when you were a child. I want you to tell us about that. (laughs) Joan. Yeah, I, I liked Peter Pan because he could fly, and I always wanted to fly. I thought maybe that would get me closer to heaven. And so you did? I No, I jumped off the back porch, <laughs> and I fell in the dirt, and I never flew since. Oh, Except did. my heart flies. Yes. My heart flies to Jesus every day. That's where I was coming, where I was going. You, you <laughs> literally fly in your spirit all over to God's people, and you help them so much. But... So after growing up in Mendota, Illinois... Rural Mendota, on the country, six, out, six miles south of Mendota, 
All right. Then you entered the seminary after that. I did. I went right away to a high school seminary. In those days, that was in 1963, it was still in vogue to go to a high school seminary. Nowadays, it's not. I went to the Franciscan Seminary in Oak Brook, Illinois, and I loved it. And I then went to the college, and I also was happy there, entered novitiate. So for 10 years, I was with the Franciscans. But then I left feeling that God wanted me to test my vocation because I, I, I could also get married. Sure. And so I had some years out in which I took care of children from broken homes, juvenile court, county placements in Cleveland, Ohio, Parmadale. Wonderful training for the mission. I had no idea I would be a missionary priest. I had no idea I'd even be a priest. All I knew was that God was working his thing out with me. I had a lovely girlfriend named Cheryl, and she was a teacher for my special ed kids. So I dated her seriously and then realized after some years that God was still calling me to be a priest. So I went back to the seminary this time as a, uh, for my diocese and then studied at St. Minard's in Southern Indiana with the Benedictines. Was ordained a priest May 24th, 1980, Feast of Our Lady Help of Christians. I've always had special things on the Feast of Our Lady. Beautiful, beautiful Father. So, all right, so you became a priest. So then where did you go from there? Where, what happened? For 10 years, actually 13, but after 10 years of being a priest, I, I, before that, oh, when I was first a priest, I plastered Mother Teresa's stories all over my walls. Life magazine did a big feature on Mother Teresa. I had my walls covered with that story. And then I heard that sisters came to Chicago. I was a hospital chaplain in Pontiac, Illinois. I went right to Chicago to see the sisters to welcome them and to start to help them. So for some years, I was already serving the sisters, never knowing what was coming. But then, when I was 10 years a priest, there was a retreat in Rome for priests, and Mother Teresa was speaking there. Well, you can be sure I signed up for that right away. And when I got there, the sisters knew that I was working with their sisters in Chicago. So they said, Father, join us for Mass. Mother will be here in the morning. And after Mass, they said, Mother would like to talk to you. Well, I was in, I, I don't know what to say. I was just overwhelmed. Mother talked to me. And after Mother talked to me, she said, Father, I don't have enough priests to take care of my sisters in the mission countries. Would you be willing to be a priest for my sisters and help them? And I said, Oh, Mother. So honored. I don't know if I cried then, but I'm crying now because it's one of the greatest moments of my life to meet Mother, and then I was with her a number of times after that. And then she sent me with four of her sisters to Albania, the poorest country in Europe. That was Mother Teresa's homeland. I was so honored to go there with the sisters, and we went into the mountains because. Nobody else would go there. I was the only priest living in the diocese. And the diocese only had two other clerical people, the bishop and the vicar general, who didn't live in the diocese because there was no place for them. They stayed in the capital of Skorder in the city and sent me and four sisters of Mother Teresa to the mountains, where we had no house, 
no running water, no toilets, no vehicle to take us hours and hours away to the different missions. Your turn, Joan. What Father, do you want to know next? You know next? what? I'm so struck. I, I might cry myself. I, I'm so touched that you would be so open to grace to to the to the Lord through Mother Teresa that you would say yes like that. I mean, I'm thinking of my grandchildren, my my 17 year old grandchildren. Would they say yes like that? What a gift you have, Joni. You responded so readily. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I was not aware. <laughs> well, but you said yes. Oh, who wouldn't say yes to mother? Oh, man. Who wouldn't say yes oh. to mother? And then you, you lived the life. For how long were you in Albania? Two and a half years until I got sick. The sisters were worried about me. I was sick for... I drank the water out of the stream. I was so thirsty and I saw the people doing it, so I did it. Well, it made me have diarrhea for three months. The sisters said, Father, you're going to have to go home because we can't take care of you here. I said, let me do a novena to the infant of Prague. On the ninth day of the novena, out of the sky came this Italian nun who was a doctor who brought her little medical kit with her, gave me the right medicine and I was cured. From that day, I didn't have diarrhea anymore. That's beautiful, Father. Oh, it was very beautiful. I got to stay a little longer. <laughs> our Lady and our Lord protect you and the saints. I'm Always. convinced of that. They come right to your aid. What happened then? You, you left Albania. Where did you go then? Well, Joni, you know. After Albania, I went to Rome to recuperate. And then I heard that if you write a letter to the Vatican, you might get a chance, maybe, to have Mass with the Pope, John Paul, St. John Paul II, in his private chapel. I wrote my letter thinking I'll never get this chance, a wretched person that I am. But one night we got a call saying, Father, they called from the Vatican. You can go tomorrow morning. And the same night that we got that call, you got that I, call. We got the same Tell call. Tell him, Joan. Tell well, him. Well, my husband and I were in Rome, and we were filming for Witness Ministries, our Eucharistic apostolate, filming uh, stories of the saints, and we got the call, and I thought it was a joke. So that the next morning, we showed up at the Vatican, and we were freezing to death, standing outside, waiting to go up in the elevator to the, the Holy Father's private mass. And we, we saw this tall, skinny guy in an old jacket. He had the biggest smile on his face you've ever seen. And my husband, Tommy, said, I want to meet that guy. So <laughs> met him we did, and you know what? We've been friends since. So you pick it up from there. Oh, Joni, you know what it's like to be in that little chapel yes. with the Holy Father and just a few of us. We're 20 people. And then... It was just overwhelming to me, and it has always affected my life and how I offer the Holy Mass when I was so close to the Pope. Afterwards, you know, he met with each of us, talked about, talked to each of us, and gave each of us a rosary. I got two rosaries because I was working in Albania. He gave me two. He said, for Albania, I give double. And we all laughed. And we all laughed. And so then we went out to breakfast with you, and we at these wonderful Italian little pastry shops. Oh, skip that part, Joan. <laughs> so, Go ahead. So of course we had a, we offered Father breakfast, and of course he had water because he was fasting. <laughs> 
So by now you're getting a good idea of who this priest is. So, Father, we're going to stop in a moment to take a short break, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about... Albania and Africa. Where you went when you went to Africa yes. and the life you live now. But Thank you. Don't miss this next part because, Father, I've never met anyone who is more Jesus like than this priest Stop in front it. of me and who lives the life of the gospel so radically and he depends totally on others for help. So we're going to talk to you about that toward the end of the show and how you can help him, support him and his family, his huge family that he's a adopted all these kids, saving them from murder and rape and ins and all these things. So st stay tuned for after the break and you're going to hear his life that is so unbelievable you won't believe that's it. That's enough, Joan. That's <laughs> enough. So we'll take a break now. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio, Listen, Then Programming. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. WSFI is on social media. Follow us on Twitter at WSFIFM and like us on Facebook by searching for WSFI Catholic Radio. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Did you know you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio online? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. That's WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. Hi, welcome back to WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Joan McHugh, and you've been listening to an interview with Father Ted Hoekstatter, 
from Mendota, Illinois, but really now from Africa because he's been living in Kenya in the second poorest slum in the world. So I want to start asking you, Father, about what life is like in Africa, and in, in particularly your work with your with the people that you love. You have adopted a number of people, is that right? That's right, Junie. But I'm there first and foremost for the sisters of Mother Teresa. I serve them in all their sacramental needs. I bury the children who die because the sisters take care of the children who are most handicapped, bedridden, wheelchair victims for their lives, so they don't live long. So. I do all those things for the sisters. The sisters and I live next to the biggest slum in Africa, the second biggest in the world. It's called Kibera. Thousands and thousands upon people live there in the worst conditions ever. No running water in the whole slum. Open sewers. One toilet, pit latrine, for 1,000 people. So you can imagine. They, they are lucky to have one meal a day. There's no work. They just have to struggle, struggle every day for existence. So the sisters and I take children out of the slums to give them a better life. As I said, the sisters have the handicapped kids. I have children who can walk and talk, but they have, they're orphans. They have no money. They can't take care of themselves. They have no money for house, no money for food, no money for education, and especially medical bills are the biggest expense. At this point, I have taken in 67 youth. 67 youth. 21 are under the age of 10. At this moment, 17 are in hospitals. In Kenya, if you don't pay your bill, when you're discharged, you don't get out of the hospital. You have to stay there in a locked room with a guard you get your meals, but you don't get out until the whole bill is paid. So that makes for a lot of problems. And the bill ex escalates every single day. Now, we live very poorly. I live with my children. Well, I live with 10 of them because to pay for rent. And uh, we have no refrigerator. We never have meat or fish or chicken. They don't even know what a dessert is. There's never dessert. We just have water to drink. They have tea in the morning. They love their tea. I never cared for tea or coffee. So they have tea in the morning with lots of sugar. Funny thing, I have to keep the sugar locked in my room. I have my own private room, private quarters, and I have to keep the sugar locked in my room, the bread locked in my room, and the eggs are kept under my bed. Otherwise, it'll all be gobbled up right away. We have no washing machine or dryer. We, like the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa says all her sisters wash their clothes in a bucket. So do we. So do we. Father, when you're describing this, we all, we, it's hard to comprehend because we have everything here that we all need. Material things, uh, food, uh, water, we don't really lack. I'm wondering, how do you survive in your your spirit in your I mean I know it's the Lord but th this is so extreme how, what how what tools do you have to <laughs> Joni you know you know you know <laughs> we have the mass every day in our house we are called the family of Jesus that's our name we are the family of Jesus Jesus was poor mm -hmm. Jesus didn't have a refrigerator and a lot of other things. 
my children know that we have to make sacrifices. Otherwise, here's the thing. In Africa, families are willing to make sacrifices to take in another child. They're now, they don't say, oh, we already have three kids. We can't have any more because, you know, we, we won't be able to put them in college. Huh. I can't put any of my kids in college. I'm lucky to get them through high school. We make sacrifices to take in another poor child. That in itself is a huge, what you just said. Well, I think that's what's missing in our country or in our families even. We don't know about sacrifice. Oh. That's a whole way of life that they're living to. Can, yes. Joni, I have to tell the story that mother always tells. Please forgive me. Tell, but tell I will, us. I will. I didn't tell it before. I'm telling it now. Tell us. Mother had this lovely story that she often told, and now that she's in heaven, I tell it. And this story is often reflected in her meditations. This four-year-old boy knew Mother Teresa, and he went to visit her one day, and he was shocked. shocked. She was giving her children tea with no sugar. And the boy's mother was wrong. She said, well, I don't have any money for sugar, so we just have tea with no sugar. That four, I'm saying four-year-old boy, you know, they're only this high. Yes. He went home to his mother and says, Mom, they have no sugar at Mother Teresa's house. I'm not going to take sugar in my tea for three days, and you put my sugar in a little jar, and I'm giving it to Mother Teresa for her kids. Oh, how beautiful. And he did that. He came to Mother with that little jar of sugar. He said, Mother, I, your kids don't have sugar, so I didn't take sugar for three days. So here's my sugar for your kids. I tell you, Mother Teresa almost cried. She was so touched that a four-year-old boy would make a sacrifice for her kids. And, Joni, you said it. In this country, people don't make sacrifices. We don't know about sacrifice. But I pray that everybody can hear this story. I'm going to tell my own kids this story and my grandkids. It's a true story. Because that's what's lacking in our lives. It is. We, 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 we fill ourselves up, but we don't... We need to give of You cannot get to heaven without sacrifice. You cannot get to heaven without suffering. Mother knew that better than anyone. She sacrificed more than anybody. She suffered so much, especially in her later years. But early on, if you read the letters of Mother Teresa, you will know she suffered a lot. As you are suffering. Oh, I nothing, nothing compared to her. You're walking around, limping around. Oh, you just yeah. Had hernia can, problems. Oh, yeah. You have so many things oh, working yeah. against you, and yet you have a joy. I have, you have everything working for me because I love Jesus. I live for Jesus, and I will die for Jesus. Oh, man, the gospel is so alive in you and in your family. That's what's touching me in this interview. It's like. I want to go home and I want to try to make the gospel more alive in our lives. I try to live it, but do I bring it to our family? That's what where we need it. Our kids need it. Our grandkids need it. In our house, we have this tradition that no one leaves the house without a blessing, the full blessing of a priest. My children will not leave the house without that blessing. They say, if I'm busy with someone, they say, Dad, I got to go. I need my blessing. And I will interrupt and say, okay, I'm coming. And I go to the door. I give them the full blessing. Oh, that's, that can and make then, me cry. 
Oh, it, it, it touches me too, dear. So how how do you d- deal with your emotions on as a human being with all these kids, with all their problems? I mean, we have problems in our families here, but your problems are like 10 times the amount that we have or, or even harder problems, more painful problems. Don't you have kidnappings of kids and yes, all we these do. manner of yes, terrible we do. things? Yes, we do. All manner of terrible things. You already mentioned them. The only answer to your question, and you know the answer, Joni, pray more. Pray more. Trust God more. His mercy, His mercy, His mercy is far more than we can imagine. Covers all our sins and and gives us strength to go on. Thank you, Joan. No, I, I, you're inspiring me so much. I hope our listeners out there are hearing this because it's so radical. It's so truthful. It's so full of love. And yet we, we're afraid to live so radically. And why? Here is a man who's modeling it for us, oh. a priest. And he's just living it. And I just don't, I know emotionally how I suffer when my kids or grandkids are struggling with this or that. And so, how? So you deal with it through prayer. So what do you go to? There's your room no other and close way. The door or yes, you, or and I pray with my kids. When we have a crisis or a problem, we pray together as a family. We have the mass every day, and the mass includes all those prayers because it's just our mass. So we can pause and take it as long as we want. In Kenya, Sunday mass goes two to three hours long. Two to three hours long. People stand outside. The church is packed. There is not an empty seat. They stand outside the church. And Father must preach at least a half an hour. If you don't, after Mass, the people will say to you, Father, are you sick? The Mass was too short today. I just look at them and I say, in the United States where I come from, no one ever says the Mass is too short. You would never hear that here. It's always the mess is too long, or you talk too long, or yeah, that's that's wonderful. Well, of course, you don't in Africa. You don't have sports and all television and everything. We have sports, but we don't have horse races and televisions and movie theaters, and right. we have bars, unfortunately. But we don't have all the things that you, oh, shopping centers, sure, all those kind of things. Sure. We don't have that. The big thing is to go to church on Sunday. That's the big prayer event and social event. After Mass, they don't go home. They stick around and talk. That's wonderful. That's real, real gospel. That's the community community binding factor. And that's why when the Pope came, he came to us just last year, and he said the faith is stronger here than in first world countries. Let me say this, Joan. Yes. There's a responsorial psalm that we have. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Why? Because the poor are desperate. They have no other help. Only God can help them. They don't have money. They don't have houses. They don't have land. They don't have food. Only God can help them. So when they pray, they pray with all their hearts. My children know that I am here trying to get a little help for them. They are praying for us, for our listeners on this radio station. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. When poor people pray for you, your prayers are answered. Oh, 
so, Father, I'm just so inspired. I hope you're inspired out there who are listening. I'm going to tell you in, in the next section how you can help Father. Go to his website. I'll tell you right now, FatherTedsKids.org. That's F-R-TedsKids.org. And g- give something from your heart to Father. Give from your pocketbook. Give him something because every penny is used for his family, his kids, not for anything else. He uses none of it. It's only to help his kids to get out of the hospital or to get food or whatever else they need. He's totally dependent on others. So I'm reaching out to you now asking for your help, your prayers for Father, and your monetary help. FRTedsKids.org. Please, please open your hearts to Father. He needs every, everything you've got and then some. We're going to end the interview now. I, I want to give you his website one more time, FatherTedsKids.org. That's F-R-T-E-D-S-K-I-D-S.org. And your money will go straight to Father. It will go to nowhere else, and it will enable him to get his kids out of hospitals, to clothe them, to feed them, to rescue them from kidnappers. He uses every penny that you give. Father, would you... We close our program by blessing our listeners. May Almighty God bless each and every one of you who have heard this story. May Jesus open your hearts to know that your brothers and sisters live in very poor countries and need your help. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.